And welcome to episode 226 of the Saturn Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined this week only by my, uh, doesn't quite have it, (laughs) co-host Peter. Oh, you're up till 4 a.m. co-host Peter. Um, Yeah, it's just us two today coming at you. With the Bazooka Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat edition of the cast. That was my favorite before and after on Wheel of Fortune. I don't know (laughs) if anyone actually did that, but that's my submission. I humbly submit that to you, Regis Kelly Philbin. I don't know which which one it is. past. Regis is past. Oh, it's true. Uh, Pat Sajak is the host of Wheel of Fortune. Pat Sajak. Gotcha. He's also a big... uh, donor to i guess the uh, upkeep of mount vernon because uh when i went to mount vernon like he was the host of their little video orientation uh and hmm. it was unexpected that is unexpected to say the least he's a goofy looking dude i have no idea how he got that kick <laughs> <laughs> maybe he was less goofy looking when he was younger He's got he maybe he's got the the personality, the charm. I wonder. I wonder how. Apparently, I've never been to a Wheel of Fortune taping, but my uh, mother and sisters have, and apparently, uh, he's a very irritable man. <laughs> really, I see. It's the thing is like I like the Wheel of Fortune. I like the Jeopardies, but I have to. I, I have to like go and take a bathroom break before I watch the episode because hopefully I'll miss the part where they interview the people i know it's supposed to make you endearing to them as people but like i don't know man i'm not these are these are normal everyday folk and they're on live tv i just can never like i don't want to take that chance that they're going to say something really cringy wheel of fortune i'm with you on it but i enjoy the jeopardy interviews especially if it's someone who's like won a lot they're on a really big streak so it's like They've gone over everything, and Alex Trebek's like, so what'd you have for dinner last night? <laughs> that is pretty funny. Or they're doing, like, here, it's our, it's our three-week champion. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like when Ken Jennings was on his streak, you could see Alex Trebek was getting a little annoyed because <laughs> he was starting to steal some of the spotlight away from him. <laughs> but it was good for the show, because then you have, like... You know, legacies. It's yeah, memorable like that. things. Everyone really enjoyed that Austin dude, the bartender from a couple years ago. His his long streak, and of course, jeez, uh, I forget his name. The guy who like was a big sports better and and won just a ton of money, broke a lot of single day and uh, week long records. God, I can't remember his name, but he was part of the greatest of all time tournament with Jennings and Brad Ratner. Jeopardy history and trivia. That's what you come to the show for. Definitely not uh, wrestling biopic-ish things. Not biopic. Kind of it's a... dramatization, yes. uh, I guess, would be uh, mm-hmm. 
better. I, I did some looking up of things because I I remember the history of of the events of this movie a little bit differently than they were presented in the movie. I, I wonder why. <laughs> uh, um, we're talking, of course, about fighting with my family. The the story of Paige as told by WWE corporate. Kind of. So this is one of the Rock's vanity projects. You can see oh, amongst the three, count on three production companies responsible for this uh, was Seven Bucks Productions, which is his his company. Um, and I, I did quite a bit of reading on this film just to, to gauge its accuracy. And uh, according to Paige herself, it's mostly accurate, but I really don't think she's going to badmouth the movie in an interview, so. Yeah. Uh, they took some liberties, let's say, with the story. Uh, mm-hmm. At least in the uh, the parts that I can, you know, the parts I live through, like the NXT parts. Like, I can, I can tell you right now that uh, she was not, never a bad promo, and she was never like not over with the audience <laughs> yeah i <laughs> that would have been a a viral video so there's all right we'll do one quick teaser there's a part where she's out on the out on the in the ring in nxt which they they, they put out as like some warehouse that they're in with like I really awful lighting center. huh i guess it could have been the performance center i don't know yeah, it could have been. But, like, yeah, they, they present her as, like, she comes out and she's just dumbstruck. Yeah. She just doesn't have a word to say and she walks off. And if someone did that in NXT or whatever, they wouldn't get these chances. They wouldn't get any of that. They'd be like, what are you doing? The Vince Vaughn guy would be like, nah. Yeah. Not even going to try to encourage you. That was, Vince Vaughn is in this movie. That, he, that should tell you all you need to know. <laughs> he is in a lot of this movie. I I thought he would just like be in the one scene, but nope, he was a central character. <laughs> yeah, um, we will talk all about this. Yes, um, I have. We have things to say. I am sure. Yes, and we have. Uh, before we even get into Trey Watch, I think uh, it behooves us. Uh, more than anything, to to say this and break the news. Um, yes. So last night, we all got the, the message. Uh, Chadwick in Boseman... In interesting ways. Yeah, yeah in interesting ways. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, after fighting a four-year battle with stage four colon cancer, has stage passed three, away. Stage three, that became stage four. Yes. Um, yes, but he's he passed away only 43 years old. In uh, four-year battle, so that means that dating back to really not his, not quite his first role because he was in forty-two, played Jackie Robinson, mm-hmm. uh, and but like most of us, I feel were introduced to him for his role as T'Challa in Civil War, which came out in twenty sixteen. So. Pretty much the entire time he's been on our radar, he's been battling this. And I remember, because he's in this movie, The Five Bloods, right? That's yes. coming out soon. I remember looking in, or maybe it's already out on Netflix. I remember looking at the trailer and being like, wow, he lost a lot of weight. He does not look well. And I guess now I know why. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's really, really sad news. Uh, this one... That's I, too young. Yeah, this one hits a little different. We, we report a lot of deaths. We have uh, celebrity death seasons every year. Um, but... It's it's always a little more for us when it's someone that's a little younger and is in the pop culture stuff that we watch. You know, it hits closer yeah. to home. Like we were the same way when Anton Yelchin um, passed. Yeah, that was a freak thing. And I mean, and not so much young, but also in in the pop culture sphere of things we watched. Jerry Stiller earlier this year. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it it's Grant been, this year too. Been a been a real rough year for, every, for on a lot of fronts. This year's kind of. I normally I'm not the kind of guy who's like, oh man, this year sucks. Because really, when you pull back the perspective, like every year has its ups and downs, right? Uh, but no, this year definitively sucks. This is the worst year I have ever lived in. <laughs> worst year on record. Oh, what's funny is we're all going to be looking back at this year and maybe people will see what they could have done better and then i'll just say hindsight is 2020 yes <laughs> i got 2020 vision i i blame that joke for making this year the shithole it was because even even be. mother nature was like shut the fuck up okay i'm tired of this joke i'm gonna make 2020 the worst year you've ever fucking seen and uh they succeeded much like uh, the directors of The Doorman succeeded in making the worst-looking action trailer I have ever seen. It is beyond generic Ooh. and has a, a healthy flavoring of bullshit with <laughs> Ruby. Oh, good. Ruby Rose starring fresh off of her you know triumph that was the batwoman tv show there's an episode where uh, that we have a video on our youtube channel where my uh, girlfriend diane and i watch an episode of batwoman and uh take shots of blue carousel every time something stupid happens uh we really had to pace ourselves to the end because to keep we your tongues looking like liquor. smurfs yeah <laughs> it was maybe a bad idea to do something so sugary but uh it seemed like a good idea at the time. But yeah, this movie looks bad. Like, I'm not even really going to discuss much oh. of it, but it's it's bad. And I will shout out uh, PL here in the YouTube comments section of the Movie Clips trailers uh, video of this that says, both fans of Ruby Rose are going to be so excited for this film. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm. I can tell it's bad because I looked at... I'm just looking at the camera work and just the the photography on this. And they shot the outside of the building in like, I don't know if they edited it digitally or whatever. I, maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't touch it up because it looks like they just took it, took video during the day of this building and just said, that was good. We have to get on to other parts of the filming. You know, they didn't they didn't even care about the coverage. But then they're yeah. putting in. Oh, I'm watching it now. They're putting in this slow mo, like no, oh, it wasn't, it's not even slow mo. It's CG, terrible. CG regular yeah. speed fighting. Yeah, because she can't fucking fight because she's 98 pounds, <laughs> and 
Not only is she a bad actress, she has the fucking biggest ego and apparently not a great work ethic because I think she left Batwoman because it was too hard to be the lead of a TV show. I think I remember that story. Something like it. The telephone game there, but... um, Yeah, I don't... So that's the doorman. We won't spend any more time talking about that, but we will transition from Batwoman to the Batman and... Um, you know, I was skeptical of Robert Pattinson being cast as Batman, and this trailer did nothing to allay my concerns. Mm-hmm. The same it, Chief. Yeah, it looks like they just knew the the people who were casting remember him from Twilight and not any of the other stuff he's been trying to do since. So they just cast him as an edgy goth again. Yeah. Yeah, he's been trying to get out from under that. So, I mean, I guess in principle, uh, Batman would have been a good role to take to kind of recast yourself as uh, another larger pop culture icon than Mm -hmm. Twilight Vampire Man. Yeah. Uh, But like, see, so here's my thing with this movie. When you make a movie, especially one that's a property that's been made a lot of times before... Um, a lot of a lot of times, probably over twenty times in the last decade, if you count the animated stuff too. Sure. And I will because every time you remake something, this is my point. You have to find a tone that will separate it from everything else. So you have your Batman and Robin, which is a whimsical, campy, goofy ass, ridiculous thing. I don't even know. You have. The Dark Knight, which is like the realistic sort of, and gritty uh, mm-hmm. take. Right. Uh, you have everything you have, sort of in between there. You have that whole spectrum. And then you have this, which like, I don't know what they're going for. This is Diet Tim Burton Batman is is what this is. Yeah. And uh, it really doesn't work. Uh, Robert Pattinson... Like, when he's in the Batman suit, um, it's fine, I guess. But when he's trying to be Bruce Wayne, which was a lot of this trailer. There was very little Batman, a lot of Bruce Wayne. It just doesn't work visually for me. I don't know if it's the haircut or the makeup, but he looks like... Uh, what's what's the... Edward, that's right. He looks like Edward in, yeah. in his father's suit that's ill-fitting. And, uh, you know, just this downtrodden goth kid. who The eyeliner. No That's the eyeliner that does it. Why did they put eyeliner on Bruce Wayne? That's yeah. So like strange. Batman, obviously, you put the eye black around it so you can't tell his skin. Well, I mean, he's got the chin, but you can't. It's hard. Right. It blends in with the mask. It's a visual trick to make the, the mask more continuous with the face. Um, but, yeah, I don't know why he's wearing eyeliner as Bruce Wayne. And I don't know why, unless they're like doing the time period of this is a little unclear still. This could be more of like a Batman year one sort of deal because um, he is a younger or at least younger looking Batman than we've had in a while. Uh, mm-hmm. So they could be trying to say this is early in Batman's career. Uh, one one thing I 
that would support this hypothesis would be in the one scene where they show Batman doing something. It takes him a long, longer than it should to beat up one generic thug. Yes. And the, 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 the strikes did not look good. No. He did not commit to learning. I mean, obviously, no one's going to go Christian Bale level of method. Um, but he did not commit to learning a bunch of these different martial arts to make his fighting look believable. Um, they used some movie magic. But at least if you're going to do that, can't you put... It's He's in the Batman suit. Can't you put, like, a, a stunt double who knows what the fuck they're doing in there? Maybe they did, but they didn't no, that get would, one. That'd be, that'd be a concern. It's an indictment on the casting, on the casting department. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I I don't know what they're trying to... I mean, obviously, I know what they're trying to do is they're, they're trying to sort of salvage uh, their DC universe and try and fucking scramble together what they can because now they have to. They've committed to playing big boy ball um, and they're, they don't know a strategy for that. And I wish I... they'll Maybe they'll get it one day. I, maybe the, the culture isn't around it for it yet. But um, I think one of the one of the genres that I is ready is prime to uh, become to get back in is um, noir. You know, we've had we've had some genres that have come back and they've been like, here, it's nostalgia, you know, but I feel like, you know, get some noir back in the movies again. Detective thrillers, you know, really in that way. And if you do that with a Batman I, I feel like we just haven't we haven't seen that's like uh, we haven't seen yeah. a Batman that's very very into the detective end. I would agree they haven't really explored that angle uh, too much, which uh, definitely could be you know you're talking about you need to find a, a way to separate it from the pack. That would certainly be that. They had a little bit of it in the Chris Nolan trilogy, a little bit, but. Uh, that was more like Lucius than uh, Bruce himself. Right. Uh, and so they definitely could, they should, I would say, play up the detective angle. Yeah. Um, I, in one of these movies. I kind of want to cut a, make a little aside here just to thinking about detective comics because that's what DC is, of course. Um, and I was, I was going back and I was watching the, Mash, the Max Fleischer Superman cartoons. And it was surprising to me how much of a detective Superman is, too. Because, like, he works for the paper and Lois works for the paper. And every episode, they're, they're getting the scoop. And, like, Lois is, like, going into the bad guys. She's going undercover. She's going into the, the mobster's lair to, like, expose their secrets. And it's it's surprisingly detective-like compared to, like, I don't know. It's compared to like other interpretations of Superman I've seen where it's them just at the office like he's got the big scoop on the big story but but like That's, yeah although I investigative think the journalism doesn't exist anymore the line that Superman uh debuted in I believe was action comics I think oh maybe it was okay number number whatever I mean it's under the DC umbrella but it wasn't uh part of their detective comics line I don't yeah. believe so um, I don't know. I, I would like, like Spider to see... Man debuted in Amazing Fantasy, not his own book. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I would like to see Batman 
Batman movie where uh, where a large portion of it is dedicated to Batman uncovering a criminal conspiracy. If they did the the owls, I would like oh, to yeah, see a movie. Society of Owls, yeah. The Society of Owls. I think that would be a good movie. Or just the Riddler. Or Court of Owls. That's the Court one. of Owls, yes. Well, it looks like they're doing... <clears throat> or they really want you to believe they're doing the Riddler here. Uh, there's prominent imagery of question marks okay. throughout the trailer. Um, we'll see. See, now this one should be the Mad Hatter, though. I feel... <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Um... Yeah, it's, I don't know, it just uh, didn't inspire a lot of confidence for me. Uh, the Suicide Squad teaser, another yes. swing and a miss, uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I can didn't tell. didn't really look like they learned their lesson. Yeah, uh, so the gimmick with, so this movie has a gimmick, I would say, and the gimmick is that they pulled in a fucking huge ensemble, which I will refer back to Infinity War, my review of Infinity War, where we talked about having a huge ensemble cast. Because Infinity War has like 37 main characters in it. Or some shit like that. It's like 40 characters, 40 superheroes. But the thing is, there's only like five new ones. Yes. The other ones, you get to lean on the entire fucking marvel universe to have your 37 heroes and that really encapsulates the problem with dc's cinematic universe effort here is that they were too focused on getting to the justice league movie like that was the their goal the whole time like we got to get to the hero as fast as possible so we can put out a competitor and get in on this gravy train the problem being is that when Marvel did it, they didn't really, they made a quality movie first. They made Iron Man. Iron Man was a big success, and based on the success of Iron Man, they were able to branch out and expand their cinematic universe. DC was more concerned with getting to the team up that they didn't lay the groundwork like Marvel did, and that's why you had... Aquaman come out after Justice League and you have the Flash coming out after Justice League but getting back to Suicide Squad here the problem with Suicide Squad was that there were too many characters they were trying to establish in one movie and as a consequence they couldn't really establish any of them properly so for their their galaxy brain idea on how to improve on that is to add more fucking characters into the mix like no you didn't learn your fucking lesson let's take a look at let's take a look at some historical examples all right so if you want to make a movie about a team of heroes the best you're gonna get is like maybe five see mystery men and fucking (laughs) leave extraordinary gentlemen as just here here's a team of dudes Let's establish them. And even Mystery Men, you start off with three, and then you add in more later. Yes. Like, you start and then, out small, and then you add in some more later. And with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, those are characters from the Western canon. Like, yes. they have their own, you know, established motivations and character traits. Yeah. If, you, if you're a cinematic fucking genius, you can push it to its absolute limit and get 12 people, as seen in 12 Angry Men... 
that's a superhero team up movie. Let's count it. But like, yeah, yeah sure. that's the absolute max. I feel like 12 is going to be as big as you're going to go. And again, you have to be a fucking classic level guy to be able to put that many uh, focus characters in your story. And this is not that. This is not Revelation, guys. <laughs> Suicide Squad is not 12 Angry Men. No. Nor is it Guardians of the Galaxy. And I believe James Gunn is at the helm of this one. And in Guardians of the Galaxy, they had five. <laughs> and they started off with one and added in more later. <laughs> they built up. Now, this is just, granted, this is just a trailer. Perhaps they start small and then add in more people later, but all the people they showed in the trailer adds up to too many goddamn people. And they get equal prominence. Yeah. So I have very little confidence or reason to believe that this will be any different than the first Suicide Squad, except with the possible exception that they will get to keep their villain, they won't have to recut the entire movie around not having the correct villain there. What they're going to do is halfway through production, they're going to have a poll... Be like which of these members are your favorite and they'll just they'll just cut the they'll just eliminate half of the characters from the cast uh but john cena's in it so that's gonna be <laughs> a thing he's he's the peacemaker he is Not indeed ever. he should have been the invisible man to dump this i would have loved to see him as as quilt man or what the polka dot dude who's that guy man. Huh? I want him as Kite Man. Kite Man. Oh my God! John Cena's Kite Man. Absolutely. He could actually pull that off. I could. As far as who would you pick to cast as Kite Man? I think he would be towards the top of my list, actually. So this literally just popped into my head. All right. So here's a scene. The big bad evil guy. He's there, and John Cena. Kite Man needs to provide a distraction, right? He has to swoop in because he's he can get there ahead of the squad and he needs to distract the bad guy for long enough for them to get past the force field or whatever the fuck. Right. So he goes up. He's in his kite man. And then you see John Cena in a kite man costume break out like a thugnomics type character and start <laughs> rapping at the big bad evil guy. And he's like, yeah, kind of like uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy where he distracts exactly. Ronan with the dance. Except he peters out at the end. He's like, it's it's just something I've been working on, you know. Uh, it's not quite finished yet. <laughs> open critique is welcome. And it pans back to the villains and they all have this like dumbfounded look on their face. Like, what the fuck is this? Oh. See, we just made a better Suicide <laughs> Squad movie in five minutes than the original Suicide Squad. Um... Uh, we talked we talked about a few of these on our stream, but we had the Black Adam like visual comic, and it's it's the Rock. It's not it's not Tef Adam. It's it's the Rock. Yeah, and um, a little too upbeat, I guess. Like I don't know. I didn't really feel the sinisterness of black adam and maybe that's just because the rock is so ingrained as this like you know one of the good guys sort of deal uh that it's hard for me to picture him as a villain because yeah i mean it's been since the scorpion king since he's really played a villain yeah i don't know i haven't seen a lot of black adam so i don't know how he how he is on the high energy low energy sort of things is he a bombastic villain who will fucking Uh, like um, he'll blow up a building be like ha 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 
depends on who's writing him, but generally, um, he's more of a like don't poke the bear kind of guy. So he's like the the Justice League story arc of World War Three was basically Black Adam destroys countries. <laughs> Justice League has to uh, stop him. Like the only thing that keeps Teth Adam or Black Adam at peace is uh, Isis. I think is her name. His wife, who dies, and then mm. he goes nutso, and he's one of the more powerful villains in the DC canon. But uh, he can be dormant at times, where he's just governing Kondak uh, with, albeit an iron fist. Right. Uh, but you know, so he's he's not like a super bombastic, uh, like Silver Age villain. He's not the. You're not going to find Black Adam on uh, Adam West and Burt Ward Batman. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of getting like, um, if portrayed in the modern day, he would be kind of like Doctor Doom, sort of equivalent. Yeah, actually, that's very, a very good comparison. Yeah. Very convicted, very driven, sort of like, I know what's right. I know what's, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um... And then we'll get into some other non-DC fandom trailers here. We'll start with Come Play, which is a a story of uh, judging people by how they look and not by their deeds. So, yeah, the story is uh, a non-verbal autistic kid. He has an app. He speaks with his tablet. Um and then he gets like a haunted, like Slender Man kind of like, I'm Larry and I want to play with you. Yes, Larry. The monster's name is Larry. Now, Larry that's the name that strikes fear into the hearts of mortal men. Like the cucumber in Veggie Tales. <laughs> um, so yeah, like he's. I guess I guess the premise is look at what creepy things we can do with a tablet because like they have the face thing and he swings around and then there's the face in the background Ooh, and you can only yeah. see him on the tablet and he's like there's a storybook that's that has him on it um yeah but again i, ca- I can't stress this in the trailer he's not seen like harming people like he picks a dude up and he kind of there's a scene where he's swinging larry around or, or he's swinging, swinging the kid, the kid yeah. around um, and he's yeah. like walking in the background. He's just sort of there, but I never see him like drag a kid into the shadows, screaming and like terrified. Well, there's, there's one scene where they're like in a cornfield for some reason, and the kid's being dragged through the corn. Okay. Um, but that's like, uh, like he's not being harmed, really. Um, and that's like the only somewhat sinister thing that Larry does in the entire trailer. I mean, the worst really he does is blow out a bunch of light bulbs. And that's really more of an inconvenience than anything. Um, so. Gillian Jacobs is in this. So uh, all you community fans will know this is all Britta's fault. She's the worst. It's worst. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I kind of want to watch this movie just to see that I... I would just I dare them to do it. I dare them to be like, Larry's just not bad. Y'all are just prejudicial yeah, I mean, assholes. There's there's a uh I want this to be the twist in the movie. I want them to be like, yeah, Larry's just he looks different, but that's no reason to be scared of him. 
Uh, um, teach a lesson but they're like oh no this is a new take on horror Ooh, we're gonna redefine the genre so it's gonna no, be no you're not no you're yeah. not you Don't can't even redefine try. there's been so many fucking horror movies every avenue really has been explored like even this has been like the ghost and the electronics has been done before ever heard of a movie called poltergeist <laughs> um yeah so yeah, it is. It's a ridiculous movie. Um, I wouldn't give this ten minutes of my time, let alone ten minutes to midnight. Fry by a twenty-four. Uh, oh, long story A24 short, movie. Long story short, so this the trailer has fucking uh, three hundred uh, views on it. That's how you know it's good. Um, available in theaters September seventeenth. But anyways. Um, so Caroline Williams plays like a DJ. Um, she's in a DJ booth and it's almost midnight. She gets bit by a vampire bat and slowly turns into a vampire in a radio station. Wow. That's that's an A24 plot if ever I heard one. Yep. Um, and I guess there's the supporting kid who's like, I listen to your stuff all the time or whatever. I've been in this this. DJ booth for forever. And what are you doing? You're going crazy. Crazy. And, and then there's this girl's like, you want to bite me, don't you? You want to. It's, it's, so it's just like here. It's vampire stuff in the context of a radio station. I what? mean, you know, I give a 24 credit where they take a chance on a lot of um let me be kind here offbeat concepts for films mm-hmm. like the the haunted dress one although uh a lot of the time they they're they're not very good and even when they are praised like uncut gems it's kind of like you know yeah adam sandler was good in this movie but the movie itself was kind of eh the one A24 movie that I think most people enjoyed was The Disaster Artist. And I think A24 was just, you know, the Francos were like, sure, you can you can have this movie. <laughs> I think that would have been... They had very little creative input on that. They were, let's say that the, uh, the people making The Disaster Artist, actually responsible for making the film, had a lot more experience than most people that A24 brings on. It's probably the correct way of saying that. Uh, Enola Holmes is a movie that has Henry Cavale playing Sherlock Holmes as a secondary character. Yeah. um, A bold choice. Yeah. I don't... I kind of don't mind this movie... Um, I don't hate it. Let me put it that way. It's yeah. It's got a tongue-in-cheek vibe. Um, I feel I can I can hear the fanboys crying out like unrealistic or whatever. But if you if you think that they seriously thought that you know girls gonna walk in and do like a judo class and like gi and mats, like I I don't know what you're expecting here. Like, yeah, I don't know. There's just a lot that's that's obviously like they're not gonna they're not fucking going for one hundred. You know, they're going for the spirit of it. Um, I am 
told that this is based on a book of the same name. Uh, I'm not familiar with the book. So uh, this is an adaptation. And uh, from from the general response, this is a fairly faithful adaptation. I don't have a problem with this. I don't know that it's a movie I'm going to go out and watch unless it's for the show. Uh, but, you know, as far as it's a quirky sort of, you know, look at this girl, isn't she wacky? It's kind of like in the Dora vein, right? You know, here's this girl. She had a unique upbringing. She's a quirky go-getter. Uh, have fun with that story. Is it, you know, groundbreaking and innovative? No. Is it a passable movie? I'm sure. Uh, Just, so I... basically the plot is Enola Holmes. Uh, her mother goes missing. She's very close with her mother. Uh, and Sherlock comes back in town to help uh, find her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess they try to make her more fit for society along the way. Yeah, because the, uh, the contention was... This is this is a little bit of a girl power movie, which again I don't, whatever. Um, the contention is that since she was alone with her mother on their estate, uh, they could she was free to to express herself and just be to not have to conform to being a society woman um, or a woman of the time. She could she played badminton fencing. They did they like thing they made science experiments and things exploded. You know, she had that yeah. sort of freedom to. To do whatever and be kind of a wild spirit, and then the homes come, the the other homes come in. They're like, no, put on a dress and like, you know, walk around and shit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and what's the? Oh, there's a fucking like, there's like a Scrabble or like a word tile thing. Um, let me find the trailer. There's like one of the one of the screenshots. Is of of a big fucking word puzzle, and um, da, 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 it's, yeah, I I was doing a lot of stuff while I was watching this trailer, so I didn't watch it too closely. Okay, let me see. But I got the gist. Cause it's a clue right in the trailer. Um, someone pointed it out. If you spell it, if you spell it backwards, yeah, it's like um. Yeah, uh, Enola looking the chrysanthemums or whatever. Right. If you spell there's a there's a big thing of word tiles if you spell them yeah, backwards. Yeah, because yeah, her name alone, Enola is alone spelled backwards. And um, other thing, which tells you know, I now that I look at this a little more, it tells me that maybe they they actually gave a shit about the writing a little bit because chrysanthemums are also the in the language of flowers, chrysanthemums mean death. So if their mom's missing and maybe there's like a, a murder going on, look in the chrysanthemums. This does kind of feel like a uh, 90s kids movie like that Disney would put out in the vein of uh, Kazam. Yes. And or Harriet the Spy. But I guess that was Nickelodeon. Yeah, we take those. We do. We take those. Like I said, not necessarily something that I'm going to go out and watch, but by no means uh, a bad movie. Uh, Emma Knight stars Kate Winslet and Sayorsi Rowan and 
there's a woman who fossil hunts on the beach and this other woman has melancholia and her husband pays handsomely to have the fossil hunter take his melancholia afflicted wife on fossil hunts to help, you know, rouse her out of her depression and they build a relationship and it's a movie about the relationship and uh, it looks like Oscar bait. I don't know how, how good it's going to be. I mean, I'm not exactly the best judge of these things. I've had movies that I'm like, oh, yeah, that for sure will be nominated for an Oscar. And no. But we'll see. And then lastly, The 40-Year-Old Version is a story. It's in black and white, which is an interesting artistic choice. Um, It is about a woman who was one of, uh, I forget the magazine, but the 30 under 30 playwrights to watch. But that was kind of the peak of her career. She never really had a big success. She's teaching playwriting. Uh, and a lot of her students are like, well, if you didn't have any success, what you doing teaching me? Um, and so disheveled about how that career didn't work out for her, she sets out to make a mixtape about the perspective of the 40-year-old black woman. And... Uh, it goes decent for her. They show some success in the trailer. Uh, and uh, they don't really show too much of the of like the main like meat of the plot, just enough to give you the outline. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. It looks like a nice chill movie. Uh, probably could be uh, a hidden gem of sorts. Uh, Rada Blank is the lead actress. Uh, I think she's been in other stuff. I can't. Oh, she's also the director. Uh, but this will be going to uh, Netflix. So you won't have to pay any money extra to see it if you already are a Netflix subscriber. So I might check this out at some point and see how it is. Mm-hmm. So that's that's Trey Watch. Pretty, pretty nice. chunky Trey Watch this week. It's indeed. Ryan, they're really, they're really pulling here as we get into the fall season. Yeah. Um, so we will now follow up on Trey Watch with our box office and review roundup segment, which we call the follow up. And we will begin this week with the new number one movie in America, Unhinged, climbing up a spot uh, in, well, I guess a lot of theaters are opening around the country here because it gained 1,500 theaters and brought in $4 million. This is the first movie since the pandemic started to bring in more than a million dollars in a weekend at the box office. Also, Chrome, what fucking black magic do you pull where you're like, I'm going to be, I'm never going to be in a good movie, but I'm just going to pull in the big bucks every time. Okay, Gladiator was a good movie. Let's not get... Fair enough. Let's not let his more recent works color our opinion of the man. Then I'll then I'll change it. Recent Russell Crowe has never worked on a good move, but pulls in the big bucks every time. Yeah. Uh, $4 million, up 565.6% from last week, uh, bringing its total, and it's made $8 million international. So, like, this has made, like, real movie money <laughs> in the pandemic era here. $14 million total worldwide. Um, in a and I can't stress this enough, 
distant second place with $550,000 is Sponge, the SpongeBob movie Sponge on the Run, uh, down 36% from last week, but in 26 more theaters, uh, brought in the aforementioned $550,000. Uh, only, only domestic release, interesting. Uh, 1.4 million total. Words on bathroom walls in th- opening in third place with $432,000. Uh, this is a movie about a woman diagnosed with a mental illness half... Oh, I'm sorry. A man diagnosed with mental illness halfway through his senior year of high school. A witty, introspective teen struggles to keep it a secret while falling in love with a brilliant classmate inspires him not to be defined by his condition. Uh enough boilerplate sort of stuff. Uh, in fourth place, The Goonies 2020 release, uh, bringing in 260k. Cutthroat City opening in fifth. That is the movie about uh, the her after Hurricane Katrina uh, for boyhood friends set out uh, out of options, reluctantly accept an offer to pull off a dangerous heist in the heart of New Orleans. So it's, it's a crime drama set in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. I remember watching the trailer for that, doing it on Trey Watch, and, and saying it looked interesting. Um, I don't know how it's doing critically. It did not have a high score on IMDb when I checked it to see if we could do it for the Spotlight film, but it only had five reviews. It's got 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, 67% on Metacritic, so it's, uh, it's doing all right, critically. In six, Empire Strikes Back... 230k peninsula in seventh uh down two spots from last week but up 169.4 percent in gross so 213k there it's made a ton of money in korea because they're doing a lot better with the pandemic stuff so it's made 32 million dollars internationally uh and 649,000 domestically only two percent of its gross uh so worldwide, it's made almost $33 million. Doing pretty well for itself. Uh, eighth, Jurassic Park. And ninth, Back to the Future. And all the way down from third last week, The Tax Collector. <laughs> in tenth. With they just cut it. They're like, we're done with the run, guys. We're not. So you might be saying, where's the spotlight film? Well, we have to dig a little bit deeper down here. And the only reason I, I noticed this film is because my dyslexia played tricks on me. Because opening in 13th was Tulsa with $78,000. And opening in 14th was Tesla. And with my bleary-eyed morning vision, I looked at them like, what the fuck? Why is Tesla on here twice? And then I looked closer to see that. The other movie was, in fact, Tulsa. Um, so we will be taking a look at Tesla, which is a, uh, I guess a different take on the biopic. And, uh, we're going to go and find out what the people have to say about this movie. You know, you can go to Rotten Tomatoes, you can go to Metacritic, you can go to whatever your favorite, uh, newspaper is, but those are professional critics. They don't know shit. They watch too many movies. They can't see the forest for the trees. You got to go to IMDb and read the user reviews to get the truth. So otherwise, the globalist, elitist movie reviewers will brainwash you. They will. They're out to get you. Look at Doom. Doom Annihilation got a better score than the 2005 Doom movie. That's all you need to know about the global conspiracy of 
of these professional movie companies. They are not to be trusted. But you can get the truth straight from the mouth of Keishizipal <laughs> with his 8 out of 10 <laughs> review of Tesla. The world we live in is a dream Tesla dreamt first. A strong thesis statement. I really like the movie. I don't know why people are rating this movie too low. These are all separate sentences, by the way. Maybe, the, comma, they are concerned about its pacing. New sentence. When it comes to the cinematography, comma, it's great, comma. The artistic approach, comma, is something different. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> these are not how commas are to be used. The breaking of the fourth wall sequences is a good idea. This movie focuses more on the struggles and also shows us about a few of his findings and researches. When, comma, a man like Nikola Tesla, comma, whose researches and findings were way beyond comprehension, comma, is made the subject matter of a movie, comma, then getting a movie like this is nothing bad at all. Holy run on sentence, Batman. Attacking, acting wise, Everyone is fine. Ethan Hawke gives yet another great performance, comma, reserved, reserved kind of a performance, comma, but great. It was way better than the current war movie and an attempt, good attempt at Nikola Tesla with some amount of minute mockery, which can be overlooked. Two out of 12 found that helpful. Uh, that was a grammatic shitstorm <laughs> Wowzers. now uh now since jake isn't here uh we have shared the load of of the poopy reviews yeah now do you want to take it or do you want me to take sure it i'll take it because i only pulled one and i don't know if it's the same one you pulled uh <laughs> dr ednum has a review simple thesis statement pretentious garbage it's a 1 out of 10 review, August 15th. I look forward to learning a little bit about Nikola Tesla. The inventor moved into the shadows of people like Edison and Westinghouse by history. Maybe because he was a fucking lunatic. Um, instead, <laughs> I got a pretentious muddle of history and fantasy given in an underlift and murky tableau. That's as dull as the narrative. Even Hawk plays Tesla, sans accent, as if sleepwalking. But it does er <laughs> it's supposed to be doesn't, but he hit R instead of T matter because the story has nothing to tell us anyway. We get disjointed scenes that de depict this and that, some historical and some made up. They add up to not much of anything. The device of throwing in anachronistic touches or touches misspelled <laughs> google cell phone coca-cola etc backfire but the major atrocity is when hawks tesla picks up a microphone and starts a karaoke session of everybody wants to rule the world by tears for fears i added in the by tears for fears part uh, avoid this garbage and spend your time reading the wikipedia article on tesla 33 out of 45 found this helpful nice um, here's a little bit more charitable one, maybe. I don't know. I, I got caught by this. I'm reading this blind. I haven't prepared ahead of time. This is Ricky Dry County. So 
his review is oh man oh god oh man oh god uh four stars here uh one ethan hawk what the fuck is this two there's one scene toward the end when the lead ventures outdoors during the day and it's so refreshing because by that time your brain will be squished by three on by the onslaught of powerpoint presentation slides mock backgrounds and disco lighting three it's impossible to follow dialogue with Ethan's mumbling with a permanent confusion etched on his face and the meandering yet stationary screenplay. Four, the scientific portions are neither jargony nor simplified Hollywood style. Instead, it's just middle of the road, dull and confusing, which is what this movie sadly is. Three out of eight found it helpful. All right. Um, I've got... Another positive review I want to read, but I will give a uh, brief lip reference to Human Poi Ende um, for his review. It's a 10 out of 10. The movie itself is the director. Uh, just what we always wanted. It's very amazing to let the movie goes and ends by itself. It shows the capability of the director, and it's really cool giving the audience a little shock by making some paradoxes, antithesis, and... Things like that. One out of nine found that helpful. But my real review is from Hal Khaki. Nine out of ten. History isn't taught in schools as it should be taught. Which is a very interesting uh, thesis for this review body here. Uh, I'm not sure if these one and two star ratings are because people didn't see anything blow up or a car chase scene. But this is an excellent presentation of what really happened. Keep in mind all the things that people pointed out about the Google and the karaoke. <laughs> Tesla should be credited for many inventions and not Edison, but that obviously didn't happen. I'm glad this movie was made, and Ethan Hawke is wonderful. Six out of eight found that helpful. Those six people are Ethan Hawke's close circle friends. <laughs> uh, all right. So do you want... All right, here, I'll put a choice out to you. Do you want the one... That has more. That has more uh, people reviewing the review, or less. The more popular review, or less. Uh, let's go with the less popular. Let's do some underground shit here. All right, from Liamo thirty seven at hotmail dot com. Oh, that's always a promising start. <laughs> One out of ten. Here's an idea. No. <laughs> this has to be without doubt one of the worst movies I ever saw. How it got to production, I never know. Ethan Hawke has the charisma of a wet paper bag and looks like he's being directed at gunpoint. They took a movie about one of the greatest minds of the 19th century and made bollocks of it. Now let me spell bollocks for you as it is here because it will become part of my lexicon. B-O-L-L-I-X. Bollocks. That's my new supervillain name. I'm bollocks. <laughs> I say incorrect shit. <laughs> Three out of six found it helpful oh man more people didn't read it that's the only reason why that wasn't more helpful uh all righty and then my other one let's see which one did i do, 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 do. oh yeah okay um oh, a little more charitable. so nekrukt uh seven out of ten review postmodernist and experimental this is not a historical film Yes, it is about Tesla and his interactions with his contemporaries, yet it is about his visions 
and aspirations through the eyes of outsiders. Anachronism is at its highest, so it may feel unrealistic, but the director has no such claim. The narration is not linear, it is quite fragmented. It is an interesting introduction to Tesla and his vision slash dream for the future. 17 out of 42. Well, there you have it, folks. Tesla, a mixed bag. Um, uh, I, I think there's a lot of Tesla fanboys. I would say he's a yeah, pretty popular historical say. figure. The, he has a cult about him. I remember one of Jake's ex-girlfriends was really into Tesla. There's a lot of mysticism around him, but the fact of the matter is Tesla was an insane person who made a few major scientific discoveries, but was kind of pushed back by his more stable contemporaries in Edison and Westinghouse. But because he's this mysterious figure and he, he came up with, or discovered, I should say, because you can't invent a natural phenomenon, he discovered alternating current. Uh, there's this like weird cult of personality that he has where people think that, you know, everything that Edison and Westinghouse came up with was actually one of Tesla's ideas and, and they stole everything from him. And the historical validity of that is questionable at best. Right. And I would say it also sort of Venn diagrams with the, with the sort of fascination with, uh, mid 19th century culture, like the yeah. people who like fucking seances and Houdini and drink absinthe and watch Moulin Rouge. <laughs> they're all they're like they're two steps away from steampunk, right? And goddamn is Tesla fucking steampunk god. Um, for I I don't know I don't know a lot about the life of Tesla, but I will I will poffer up a uh, a comparison. You can tell me how apt this is. So I would. So if I were to compare him to a modern day um, person who was uh, smart, I know exactly where you're going with this. But good ideas, yeah, was insane. I mean, you can say it. Do you want call it out and see if we have the same guy? Elon Musk. No, Terry Davis, the creator of Temple OS. Oh right, yeah, okay. Someone Um, who is he is brilliant. Terry Davis made his own OS from scratch. You know, he's probably he probably is one of the the higher level programmers in the world well he was but he was also uh out of his gourd yeah um i would compare the uh, at least the cult of personality thing and like he named his company after him so there's that link there uh to elon musk uh mm-hmm. who's a, you know also a crazy dude who uh happens to know a little bit about some sciences and made some or hired some people, I should say, who made some good calls and discoveries right. for him uh, and didn't pay them appropriately. <laughs> Yay, SpaceX. SpaceX. Um, yeah. So we got some gaming news here. Uh, in response to the lawsuit levied against them by Epic, Apple has terminated Epic Games' developer account for the Apple App Store. And they move that should come as a surprise to no one. Uh, they claimed that it was self-inflicted by Epic, and they were attempting to game the App Store, which, you know, yeah, there's truth to that. But at the same time, you know, we got into a whole discussion about the merits of the lawsuit uh, a couple weeks ago, so you can go back and 
listen to that section. <clears throat> we won't rehash it here. But it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, both sides have a little bit of a point, but you really don't want to see either side win. Mm-hmm. It's just you're just watching the Titans fucking duke it out. It's like Alien versus Predator. Like, no matter the outcome of that fight, it's not going to be good for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie also was not good for anyone. Uh, yeah. Microsoft has <clears throat> there's a couple of Xbox news notes here. Uh, first off, the rumor about Halo Infinite being delayed to 2021 and dropping Xbox One support has been debunked. 343 Industries has come out and confirmed that it is still on target to release this year and it will still release for the Xbox One. Uh, and as Microsoft has detailed, it will be available day one on Xbox Game Pass, as well as a number of other first-party games. Uh, and that will be released day one on Game Pass. They're really pushing Game Pass. They really are putting their eggs in this basket, hoping that their Netflix of gaming uh, service here is going to be able to... Uh, do what many others have not been able to do in that space and create a compelling value-added service. Um, This was Gamescom this last week, uh, or at least night one of Gamescom, which will be a continuing thing. And we have some new games being shown off here. I guess the headline here uh, for most people in terms of mainstream appeal would be Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, which features a uh, CGI Reagan sending you to commit war crimes. Hey. Um, when you really think about some of the actions that you take in the campaign of previous Call of Duties, this is nothing new for the series. You've committed many atrocities in the Call of Duty franchise. Uh, in in the name of justice, I guess. Uh, Are you a bad enough dude to violate the Geneva Convention? Don't, don't, don't. Yeah, so uh, it's another Call of Duty. They're reviving the Black Ops moniker. They're going back to the Cold War. They're jumping around all over the place. This franchise probably is a little overdue for a bullet. Uh, but it's Activision's major cash cow, and Call of Duty fans are going to buy the new one every year. So they're making enough money off of it to justify the development cost. And the moment they don't, that'll be the end of Call of Duty. But creatively, um, the game is bankrupt. Yes. Um, If I'm going to, I'm going to take a pot shot. I'm going to take a hot take on the future of shooters right at this moment. Um, I think, I guess they're calling them movement shooters. It's not a new genre been a thing since uh, i believe tribes is the quintessential movement shooter you could say um, quake you can make an argument for quake or unreal um games where you're it's like a shooter but you have physics don't obey it's not regular ish physics you know in tribes you slide around everywhere and you fucking you, you vault off ramps and you're shooting people in midair you know, in Unreal, you can rocket jump all over the fucking place. Wake, same. Um, it's simmering. I've seen, like, whispers and, and rumors and things under the surface of people who 
it's small right now. Uh, where people are just like, here's a game that I play, it's a movement shooter, oh, it's fun, you know. It's this, it's that, and then you have Overwatch, which kind of incorporates some of those aspects with things like Tracer, or I with, think the, uh, Hampton, Hamster guy. The best, it's more grounded in, in realistic physics, but I think the one that, the game that kind of reignited the movement shooter genre was Titanfall in 2013. And uh, when Titanfall 2 came out, they really got the movement down well. You could slide, you could jump, you can wall run, you could do all this crazy stuff that Call of Duty copied in a couple of their, like, Advanced Warfare and shit like that. Uh, but Titanfall was a really well-made game, really good, um, solid movement, solid mechanics, gunplay, all that. What you would expect from Respawn Entertainment. And uh, the success of that, or the critical praise of that, kind of like I said, led Call of Duty and other more mainstream shooters to, to nick some of those aspects uh, to the point where now even in Doom Eternal uh, there's a lot of movement options uh, which I appreciate because there's also platforming and the amount of movement options they give kind of make the platforming less terrible. It's still platforming in a first-person shooter, but as far as platforming in a first-person shooter goes it's, it's one of the better ones I've experienced. Okay. Um... Yeah, and with, like, I know the hot meme game right now, the trending game is, is like, Fall Guys. I'm sure yeah. you've seen plenty of that. I um, bought Fall Guys. We're going to play it on stream one of these days. As a gift. We may have to participate. Um, I think there's there's it's a, there's a high potential. If someone makes a, a groundbreaking, disruptive game that is a movement shooter, a very, like one of those where it's just like here's the quick demo and it's an addictive concept that's very simple and linear um it will do, it will go gangbusters and then call of duty will steal it for their next uh franchise idea and that's so what you're saying we're gonna have a merger of the round based battle royale style of fall guys with movement shooters <laughs> I know, but that's that's that. Wow, that would be uh, something. I would say. I don't know. Have little. That, I mean, that's. I don't know how you pull concept. that off, but if you have, you would have little tiny arenas. You would have. Here's what you do: you have little maps that have like five people on. You do a yes. tournament style. Yes, you do a tournament style where you have like five people in a battle royale death match and a small but you know like well-designed map and there will be like you know 10 15 maps each and you'll have enough where there's enough variety and change and each one plays a little bit differently with your many advanced movement mechanics and then the winner of each round you have the splash screen while they load in the new maps and maybe you have more maps and they're like tiered like the right, opening rounds is a pool of maps and then it gets a little more advanced as you go you down do it like swiss style based on your record you're always playing people with the same record and then you have the crap maps which is like here you suck at the game here's a baby map and then you've you beat everyone here's a really tough map yeah and then it comes down to a 1v1 on rust from modern warfare <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. So um, be on lookout for that game coming 2022 by some yeah. studio not us yeah, someone who's going to, Devolver Digital is going to nick this from our fucking uh, podcast here. Uh, Unknown 9 
is a action adventure game from Reflector. Unknown Nine is a narrative driven game that features a protagonist able to manipulate the world around her, seeing them as specters of sorts that cannot hurt her. Uh, looks like it will contain plenty of secrets, and she uh, removes a brick from the wall to look inside to the spirit world. Uh, Doom Eternal's first DLC, Doom Eternal's The Ancient God Part 1, was shown off here at uh, Gamescon. Uh, they've been. I bought Doom Eternal recently. I've been playing it. Every time I pull up Bethesda Launcher, it's like, the fight's not over. Here's this DLC. So, like, I knew this was coming for a while, but I think this was the first uh, full-on gameplay uh, trailer here. And it's set to be a beefy addition to the shooter, featuring plenty of more demons to slaughter and new areas to explore. This includes giant demon skeletons that have become part of the environment, and the Doom Slayer has some new devastating weapons to deal with them. Uh, they showed off a little more of the new Dragon Age. It was just a teaser. Uh, developers talking about how the team is looking to innovate with new characters and concepts, feature original wildlife architecture, and there will be places that you have never seen before in the series. Okay, well, first off, like, that's most of the series. Like, Dragon Age is a very loose continuity of games. Like, basically, Dragon Age Origins, which is... Really, the only one you need to play, Dragon Age Inquisition, was okay, I guess, but never played Dragon Age 2. Um, like, that was its own contained story, and the events of it have very little to do. I guess the Awakening campaign has sets a little bit of the events of Dragon Age 2 in motion, but that was an expansion. Uh, but, like, the main story itself of Dragon Age Origins has almost nothing to do with the greater story that... There is continuity between Awakening, uh, Dragon Age 2, and Inquisition. But, like, the way Inquisition ends, well, it kind of ended on a wet fart, but, like, I don't know where you go narratively with this <laughs> afterwards. So, of course, it's going to be a new story because you're just using the IP again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I don't know... Uh, new World of Warcraft expansions. Shadowland was shown off. Uh, Crash Bandicoot 4 is coming out. I have seen that. That's uh, It's subtitled It's About Time. The game features flashback tape levels that are peaked back to the 90s era of the series. So here's the thing about the Crash Bandicoot. Like when they did the insane trilogy with the remasters. Uh, there were a lot of complaints about the physics and how the jumps worked and, you know, the precision necessary to uh, do some of these jumps uh, came under fire from a lot of people, even people who are, like, not typically, like, I'm going to complain about this game because it's too hard for me sort of people. So I think feel like Naughty Dog really has to learn from this and improve upon that because like mm -hmm. I watched I was just had a playlist going and, and like Donkey's video about game critics came up and he loses on purpose he loses focus and talks about the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy and compares it to Super Mario 64 or where it's like, and they know that in a 3D space, you know, controls are fucking jank, so you can't have the jumps need to be so precise. And Naughty Dog really needs to incorporate that if this game's going to be any good. Right. Um, 
the I guess the the most one of the more critically acclaimed platforms that came out between these two has been Celeste, and um, the tape the, the tape idea the tape the flashback tape thing sparked the idea in my brain that maybe they paid attention to some of the lessons that Celeste was because it's it's one of those it's a very modern game design sort of uh, game where it has all those uh, player elements like incorporates how to teach you how to engage a player it's very it's very thoughtful about those things um yeah. so maybe they'll have maybe they played it maybe like yes i totally played celeste all the time while i was developing this game i feel i get what it's trying to do and we want to put some of that in our big crash bandicoot game well celeste is a game that introduced a mechanic that hadn't been used much in platformers with an air dash and they really intelligently designed a lot of what of their levels around that mechanic in a way where you felt really smart uh, making these jumps and really skilled, even if, you know, it's like, well, yeah, that's the way it was designed for you to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, they, they could learn some lessons from that. Uh, Star Wars Squadrons is a first person pilot game. I was shown during the presentation and demonstrated a look at single-player mission with Empire fighting against Rebel Alliance. In this particular mission, it will be fully playable in VR and make the intense dogfights even more immersive. The game won't be full price to reflect its smaller scale and will be launching for current-gen systems and PC. Uh, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga. They're just going to lump all the Lego Star Warses together. Uh whatever um yeah. then we had the announcement that fall guys will be getting a second season of content mm -hmm. uh medal of honor they're trying to bring that back again <laughs> destiny Avengers. 2 beyond light expansion uh yep. new ratchet and clank game a rift apart the game the rebooted game of ratchet and clank was good the movie less so um, yes. So I'm kind of excited about that. There's a new Wombat shown off here, a uh, what appears to be a female Wombat. So uh, they might uh, be able to introduce some new fun and interesting mechanics with uh, team-like platforming beyond just uh, Clank. Mm -hmm. uh, adding to the movement capabilities of why does that trailer keep out of playing um, adding to the <laughs> capabilities of ratchet um so yeah that was those were the big ones shown off at uh the opening of gamescom i'm sure there will be more announcements to come as these things typically go a uh, bit of a light news week for games that's that's the major uh stuff of it right in there so we'll get into our feature presentation and discuss fighting with my family fighting with the director yeah um i will start off by saying that this is not a terrible movie i have seen worse movies um it's just for a what should be ostensibly a a biopic mm -hmm. it takes many liberties with the story and perhaps if i were less familiar with the story i would uh you know feel less i, I don't know if betrayed is the right word but i would feel a little less right. off put by it um 
and could probably just appreciate, oh, it's this, it's this great story, yada, yada, yada. But mm. I can't divorce myself from my knowledge. And suspension of disbelief yeah. was challenged, to say the least. Yeah, I, um, I made a joke about fighting with the director here, but uh, I think this movie has a very clear purpose, uh, especially in the first act, um, but a little, you know, somewhat in the other two acts. Um, and that is, this is how WWE wants you to view the process of becoming a superstar. In the first act, it's about the mechanics of actually going to going through the process of getting on WWE and becoming a, a TV wrestler. And from there, it talk it's about this is what it this is what it's like with your family or this you know trying to do some I don't know the second act was fucking boring yeah. as shit dragged on for days um and then sort of the third the act third was, act just heads fast forward right until it, and slow down at the same shit. time um but they're trying to tell us you know sort of as a it's it's almost the plot of like a WWE game where like Instead of Paige, it's just your yeah. character. And it, you it, go through your character's story mode. Yeah, that seems that seems pretty accurate. Um, but with a large de-emphasis on the wrestling component of it. Um, yeah. I found the first act of this movie to be the most interesting, largely because it was the least verifiable information I had. Like I was I'm not super familiar with Paige or Soraya's, you know, life in England. I know that she comes from a wrestling family and they did run their own promotion. And she's been wrestling since she was 12. You know, I knew all that, uh, but I didn't know like the details. And so the story of this movie, well, not the story of this movie, how this movie came to be is that the rock was filming fast and furious six, uh, in London. And he was up way late in his hotel room. This is, from an interview that he gave with some magazine. I don't remember the uh, the publication. But he's like, I was up way too late, and I was I came across, I think it was an ITV documentary uh, about the Knight family and their, their wrestling promotion and all that. And he was very interested in the story. This was back in 2012. So this was, you know, before Paige really became... Super prominent. I think she was in developmental at the time. Um, Could have been. But that was probably back when it was FCW. So they skipped the fact that FCW ever existed. It's just straight NXT in this movie. But right, when that she was would have signed, been probably a little too much. Yeah, when she was signed, she went to FCW first, which was, yeah, like wrestling in a warehouse. And then when they rebranded the NXT, they got a little more polish and they started putting, you know, shows together that would air on Hulu and then eventually when they launched the WWE network in 2014 on there. Um, mm -hmm. So she wasn't super well known, but the rock really was enamored with the story and he's been trying to get the, this movie made for quite a while. And eventually all the pieces came into place and they made it and it released in 2019. It did okay with critics and was a modest success financially. Um, that being said, much now of this movie is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, again, like I said, a lot of a lot of the a lot of it's embellished, and a lot of the embellishments are to the benefit of WWE and the benefit of melodrama. Yeah, over the top melodrama. So I guess we can take this from the top and and move through it as as it happened and point out yeah. uh, where things kind of went awry. Um, so like I said, in the first half, I can't challenge much of it because I am not super familiar with the story. Just how it is. So we start with Paige as a young girl. Um, or I guess really we start with her brother, Zach, who mm-hmm. is watching who else? The Rock. A Rock. Yeah. Of course. It's his movie. Um, He's going to be all over it. And I will say... Just as, as we talk about this, keep in mind, as we go through this movie, picture the movie in your head. And the cinematography was not, it wasn't stellar. It wasn't like bare bones, but I noticed there is a distinct lack of of any sort of stylistic polish that was on it. Yeah, which is not always a bad thing. So not every movie needs to have mm-hmm. very hyper stylized cinematography. I think there. I think a, this could have benefited from yeah, it. Yeah, there were certainly a couple of times in this movie where uh, it could have benefited from deviating too much from the basics. But that's WWE films for you. Like we've seen more movies produced by WWE films than any mere mortal should ever have to view, and that's, uh, that's you know that's they're basic. They're they're just vehicles to. Uh, get their superstars SAG cards so they can get <laughs> health insurance and make a little extra money. Um, that's really all it is. So, yeah, it, it was pretty basic. Um, they had to get WWE's approval, obviously, to uh, tell the story because it uses several trademarks of theirs. Pulls a lot of, of licensed material. Um, and as a consequence, you have a, uh, how do I put this? A more favorable depiction of WWE and its developmental program than is reflexive of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of like buttering it up and all that. So anyway, we begin with Zach watching the Rock win a match at WrestleMania. And then they just flip the channel from a pay-per-view to whatever network Charmed was airing on, um, which this is 100% accurate. Girls of that age and that time were really into Charm. I grew up with two sisters. <laughs> Charm was always fucking on. I didn't really care for it myself, uh, but... Girls were really into it. And that's where the name Paige comes from, apparently. Uh, I don't know about, about Probably. That. She probably said that in an interview somewhere. Yeah. So, like, um, I think the the timeline of, like, when she changed her name to Paige is off. Uh, she wrestled as um, Soraya or some. She had some other ring name uh, mm-hmm. for her first year in NXT slash FCW before she changed it. So, like, the, the having it at the tryout was a little off, but that's really splitting hair. So, anyway, uh, Zach's upset. She starts to, like, 
put her in a sleeper and her father comes in and you expect him to like break it up. But this is where they introduce their crazy wrestling family. So he's like, no, nah, if you really want to do it right, you got to cinch it in like this and pull back tight. And then uh, the mom walks in and you expect her to do something about this. And she's like, what's going on here? And Paige is like, oh, he's choking me. And she's like, well, what's she going to do about it? And then she does like a little snapmare takeover and it smash cuts to them in their family wrestling business wrestling. And, uh, you know, they they show that it's a life they enjoy. They have fun doing it. They have a lot of friends that they teach to wrestle. Uh, it's not always accepted by everyone. That's what the scene mm-hmm. with the, the preps, I guess. Yeah, they have to explain. Like, yeah, there's a couple scenes dedicated to explaining to your your mom or your or your grandma who hasn't seen wrestling before and doesn't know what it is and you're like this is this is what wrestling is yes we've heard we've been told it's fake before yes that's a thing we get a lot yes we we know <laughs> you're not break i love it that's just as an aside i love as a wrestling fan when you inform other people of that fact you know they always like break that to you like it's new information it's like i'm a fucking 26 year old engineer i know i can see through this like i'm not stupid i i know more about the ins and outs of it than you do because not only have i trained to wrestle i've watched it for decade plus now um yeah so yeah she's like they also established that uh, that's also a character moment where they established that she is she is opposed to the preppy blondes, the popular yes. girls, which they fucking dive deep in on. They, they bring back later with, uh, I guess they couldn't get the rights to use the the stories of like actual women who would have been in NXT with her at the time. So they mm-hmm. just invented some characters. Some Vince blondes. Yeah, and they did... They, I think they at least had homages to real wrestlers in there. Like, uh, we'll fast forward a bit to when they get their tryout with WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going through their Vince Vaughn's character, who is a amalgam of several different NXT trainers, uh, but is a fictional character. Right. Um, is like interviewing them, and then it gets to Zach, and he he curses, and he. He says, oh, I shouldn't curse when there's ladies around. Sorry. He turns to a dude next to him who I think is supposed to be Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne, yeah. Uh, But obviously they couldn't call him that. Uh, Right. Or I guess they couldn't call him. Where's Pete Dunne from? Because he's not from Norwich. He's not from Norwich, but I think he is from the north of England. Okay. So maybe he trucked. Maybe that's another story where he's like, yeah, I trucked down to that. And England isn't exactly like a huge country. Like you can get from the top of England to the bottom in a reasonable amount of time. Like if there's a WWE tryout and you're a professional wrestler, you're going to make that drive. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Where was Pete Dunne born? Pete Dunne was born in Birmingham. Okay. Which is. uh, I don't know my English geography. It is in the center of England. So it probably would have been like a Not two a and a half three hour drive. drive. Yeah. No. Um, I'm glad, glad we went down that rabbit hole. <laughs> but anyway, they they try out and it 
you know, Zach, as, in terms of uh, technical ability, is far ahead of everyone else there. Uh, but they take Paige and no one else. And she complains about this. They hype up family melodrama. Uh, eventually, she acquiesces and goes to the States. And then they do the NXT training stuff. And this is where the movie diverges from reality uh, the most. Yeah, I want to hear about this because I know you know a lot about this stuff. And I could tell, like, a lot of this seems, like, more intense or, or not, you know. So, like, was. yeah, the, the workouts are, are definitely rough on you. Like, I've heard a lot of horror, st- not necessarily horror stories about WWE tryouts, but they really try to weed out people who don't want to be there, you know, right. who are there to, like, you know, I think wrestling's easy. Like, if you don't have the passion to like keep and persevere through it um you you won't get through and like let, when Zach, let no one say that wrestling is not a physically taxing uh thing to do it's not a phys- you know as a job yeah but as a signee like they're not really gonna like in the performance era at least like they'll work with you a lot like they you they signed you to a developmental deal they have invested in you, and they're not just going to be like, shake your hand, get out of here, kid. Like, you'll have a, a, a specific amount of time on your deal, and if you don't show any progress after that, or they don't think they can make any money off of you, they won't renew, renew your contract and they'll let you go. So a lot of, like, the, the beach training montages, maybe that happens, uh... But, like, it's yeah. mostly would be the work that they showed in the warehouse with the performance center. And when, you know, they had the whole blow up with her giving the girl a receipt and, like, Vince Vaughn being like, apologize, we don't do that here. Like, I don't, I don't think, like, something like that was going to get so blown out of proportion. <laughs> like, and also, there'd be a trainer in there working with them because right. that's how it works there. You don't you don't just leave these people who yes a lot of them don't come from a wrestling background and you honestly think that they're just going to leave them in the ring and say do the drills guys yeah they're not going to be like go have fun i'm going to go over here and fucking drink my coffee and read my paper it's not someone's, like that someone's got to get Aaliyah to to at least a, a standard of performance they have many trainers that they employ there and they have many guest instructors that they bring in from other promotions and from yesteryear to go and and teach these kids how to wrestle it's a very well-oiled machine they have there even back then before they started pumping a lot of money into it you had dusty roads there you had triple h there you had you know a lot of other trainers there like big time trainers who like know Mm -hmm. what they're talking about and wouldn't just let these people you know like futz about it really aimlessly they're like not even like working practice matches they're just like grabbing headlocks like it was really not a very structured practice um but anyway the major issue i have here is that they tried to paint it like Paige was in over her head uh in nxt yeah. which is far from the truth she was generally considered to be the most polished female wrestler they had in the developmental system from the word go (laughs) right she may have had some internal conflict um but they decided to make that like very external to the point of like she lost her way 
yeah, she can't cut a promo. Like, the fans were turning on her. It's like, I never remember a time when Paige was in developmental when she was not extremely popular. Right. Because, like, this weird, like... And they tried to play it up like, you know, she was kind of this frumpy-looking girl from England. Like, Paige is a very good-looking girl. Like, there are very few red-blooded men out there who would look at her and be like, eh, meh. That's, yeah. I look at people, like, pushing her as, like, the outside girl. I'm like, that's not what our slash squared circle says. <laughs> no, not at all. That's not wrestle, what Wrestle with the Plot. She's very popular on Wrestle with the Plot. That should tell you all you need to know about her. Um, yeah, but instead they forced, so they forced this dichotomy on her that she's, like, she's the outside girl, only to, like, slam it in our face as like a twist when they're like no the the blonde girls aren't bitchy they just have their own stuff and she never connected with them and it's like yeah. and they expect us to feel bad because she like to connect with her in that way i'm like no you made this happen director you put this on me <laughs> i never had any ill will towards these people they seemed pretty amenable to her uh but you portrayed her as a paranoid bitch uh and florence Pugh, the actress who plays Paige in this movie um not a great at least physical likeness i facially kind of but Paige is tall Paige is like five eight five nine uh florence here is maybe five six to the point where they had to have zelina vega play aj lee because that Which, was the only woman short enough to give the like and yeah, she wasn't and even, like, wearing AJ's ring gear. She was wearing the same ring gear she wore on Raw that night because they filmed it at the end of a Raw. <laughs> oh, God. That, it was at that point. So, yeah, this is in the third act. And it was that, at that point where I was like, I just sort of took a pause. I took a pause. I took a sip of water. And I thought about the, the media tiramisu that was being constructed before my eyes because this was an actor playing a wrestler wrestling with a wrestler who is acting as another wrestler yeah on a uh, movie about a show that's wrestling and i'm my brain just sort of like started melting <laughs> i was like what did you make what is this yeah uh they also use tessa blanchard as uh the stunt double for uh the main okay, actress that's here who is yes. like she's more of a physical match for Paige in terms of like height and general build stature yeah but again that would make her a lot taller and and, you know broader than Mm -hmm. (laughs) the main actress here and you can tell that this is not despite this being a wrestling movie this was not directed by someone who is whose forte is action and fight was the director of this movie and he has a cameo as uh the father of zach's wife and baby mama oh okay yes okay because i i knew that guy and he i knew him from stuff like jojo rabbit right he was the uh and uh he was also caliban and logan Mm -hmm. and if you notice he never stood up because he's a fucking beanstalk he's like towers (laughs) over people yeah, um, like he could have stood up and been taller than Sheamus when Sheamus and Big Show made their cameo. 
is a long man. Um, just a fun side note there. But yeah, because uh, it was very clear whenever they would cut to the double. Yeah. They would very quickly cut to the double for any any sort of action. And they tried to patch it over. Like, we'll put an ADR line over the cut, and maybe we'll patch it up. They won't <laughs> notice. But I noticed. I know. It was pretty obvious. It's not like I'm patting myself on the back for noticing. It was not not particularly well executed. Um, but my main issue with the third act is they just kind of skip over the fact that she was NXT Women's Champion and like she and Emma had a really outstanding match that put women's wrestling back on the map and and it started the whole give divas a chance movement like yeah there was a lot of important work she did in NXT that they just skipped over they didn't they acknowledged NXT once and yeah if you watched the movie and you didn't know what NXT was you got the impression that it was like a thing they hosted for a couple of townies yeah they, a couple they did, times a week. It was like a boot camp, and they did some shows for townies, and then you're up to the main roster. And, like, yes, she did debut the night after WrestleMania, and, yes, The Rock, uh, at least she claims in interviews, The Rock was the one who told her that it was happening. And, yes, she did beat AJ Lee for the Divas Championship. But she also came into that show as the NXT Women's Champion, and I feel like that's a pretty big accolade that they kind of glossed over to make the the win of the divas championship seem more impactful i guess yeah because he's like she did it she overcame the odds in this match they definitely called ahead of time but yet they shot it like it was just gonna be a surprise shoot yeah (laughs) yeah um i think the scene for me that encapsulates the the disparity between what probably actually happened and what they displayed was her in the locker room now what probably actually happened was she said in an interview was like, yeah, I was a little anxious before that match. I was going on Raw for the first time. It's a big moment for me. I was sitting in my locker room. I was thinking about stuff. I called my brother. I was like, it's really going to happen. That's crazy. But instead, they have her like fucking in the fetal position in their locker all alone. It's Vince just like, get the fuck out here. We've got to go. Yeah, it's not <laughs> like she's having she like had... this character breakthrough moment with her with her brother. Yeah, it's not like she had wrestled on you know like a big network event before or had like you know been on nxt television enough times to know kind of like where to go and how to act like yeah it's a big crowd i'm sure you're going to be nervous it's the raw after wrestlemania it's one of the rowdiest crowds of the year but if you want to go back and you watch the clip of her debut once her music hits the crowd erupts they were very yeah. excited to see her she was no- already over. <laughs> I can't stress this enough. She was already really fucking over. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the moral of the story here is, um, yeah, watch. Like, you, I guess watch those things, but then watch the matches. Watch her actual performance. Yeah, watch her actual work, and you will see that the, like, puppy dog eyed in way over her head depiction in this movie was not accurate yet yeah, maybe she was really nervous and like she like internally like peter said had these moments of like oh my god i'm in way over my head what the fuck am i doing here but it never really translated to television because she came across very polished she became very popular very quickly she wrestled really well she cut good promos that's how she got so fucking over in the first place that they had her 
beat AJ Lee, who at the time was the longest running Divas champion of all time, her first night in the company. <laughs> That's not something they do to some like girl. It's like, uh, yeah, sure, you. You've been in developmental a long time. Let's 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 put you up in this spot. Let's throw you to the wolves here on this this the biggest raw of the year. <laughs> Wait, that's not how this happens. I understand. Yes, that makes for a good conclusion to the story, and I understand you have to take creative licenses for this movie, but it was a bridge too far for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very clear uh, to us because wrestling's just so open, and anyone who's interested in this, I feel like they would know. That's yeah, why I say this like, movie's purpose is for people who don't watch wrestling. Like, this is what WWE wants you to think becoming a wrestler is like. That's really the major gripe I have here, I guess, is that there's there's almost no one in this... There's almost no one who's going to watch this movie who doesn't know about the story already. Like, I don't think you're going to draw in a lot of, like casual outside observers to see this movie maybe I'm wrong but I feel like you're not going to really be able to pull the wool over people's eyes because most of the people watching this movie know who Paige is yeah and I I find it weird um, just a small thing just a detail to sort of finish this off here that they never showed uh, I guess at the end they showed personal footage of Paige, but they never showed her, like, this is what she's actually like in the ring. You know, like how yeah. in Dol- my name, Dolomite is my name, where they show the Rudy Ray Moore movies at the end, yes. or in the Disaster Artist, where they show the movie at the end? Yeah, they, they should show Paige show- matches. They sh- well, at, at least the climactic moment, they should have shown that. I, that, I do have a gripe with it. That's one of my things about the fucking third act, because they had the feel that... I guess they felt that they needed a uh, a falling action with resolution with the family. I really feel like she should have resolved that stuff, at least from a story perspective. It should have all been resolved before she goes out. And the final shot should be her walking out onto stage and then it cuts to the actual match. Yeah. Cuts to the match and you get to see her win. And then that's how it fucking ends. I'm going to real quick here because I, I don't remember if she went with the page turner or the rampage. Uh, and I, I want to know if that if that was also movie bullshit. So I'm watching the clip right now. Um, all right, so she uh, she did win with Paige Turner. Okay, so they at least got the finish right. It was a sloppy fucking Paige Turner. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh wow, that's a bad sell by AJ Lee. Pick. I'll, I'll send you the clip uh, when we're done okay. here and like just jump to two, 250 and watch that that movie. It was not crisp. Um, but yeah, that's that's the movie. Like as a movie, like I said, th- there's worse things you could watch. I don't know that I'd go as far as to recommend it. I would say, you know, if you're interested in the story, look into the story. Like... Yeah. I don't think this movie does anything so spectacularly or, or so summarizes it so succinctly that I would say, yeah, just go watch this movie and you'll be up to speed. No, look into the story yourself. Watch some page matches. Look up her promo work. You know, there's a lot of lot of content. You're not hurting for content out there. WWE yeah. films fucking everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, as I punch my mic in frustration. <laughs> 
And if you want to watch a story about wrestling that isn't a wrestling thing, there's plenty of documentaries, like fucking Vice's entire series. Yeah, Dark you Side of the, the Redemption Rings. Redemption of Jake the Snake. Resurrection have, of Jake the Snake. You have um, Beyond the Mat, which is, you know, the classic one from the, the 90s. Uh if you are a WWE Network subscriber, WWE has tons of great documentaries like their 24 and 365 series where they follow a wrestler around uh, the day of a big event or for a year. Is some of the best content they make. Really good documentaries. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a wealth of all this stuff. And the wrestling business is very interesting. And uh, Soraya's story is very interesting. But I think there are better ways to take it in then for this mm -hmm. fighting with my family so i would i would give fighting with my family a 4.8 out of 10 mm -hmm. which is a little below average on my scale i would recommend this to i guess like they would i would recommend this to people who just don't ever watch wrestling watch it with them and then show them actual wrestling matches yeah because otherwise they'll they'll uh they'll think the uh the tooth fairy is real so to speak all right, so that's that's that. Um, no stream tonight. Maybe we'll do something Sunday, but uh, everyone's yeah. everyone's kind of uh, otherwise engaged. So we'll uh, we'll check that out. Uh, you can check out our stream at when we do it, or there's video on demand up still. Uh, Twitch TV backslash Saturn Studs. Uh, link to that also on SaturnStuds.com, as well as our YouTube page where we put up. Our, our past streams that are older than two weeks and uh, some other content's going to go up there soon. We're, we're planning other stuff. Um, uh, all social media, at Stud Saturn. That's best place to know when we're going live and, and well, I not really where anymore. It's Twitch. It's always Twitch. Uh, Facebook, also a place where you can get updates on new episode drops, episodes air Saturdays at 3, typically. Streams, typically Saturday at Eight. so uh, you can use that as a guide we're available on pretty much every podcasting platform out there and we do ask if you enjoyed the show please give it a review uh, preferably a good one if we did a nice job but we are always open to improvements and constructive criticism so uh, if you show us some love on iTunes or another platform uh, we will shout you out and uh, if we you might want to email us at saturnstuds.gmail be like hey we left the review so we know when to check because sometimes I forget but, uh, yeah, we will definitely uh, give you some love on the show if you give us some love. So until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.